Uh, good to have back an old friend, Manny Villar. Uh, you might know him in the political front as the GOP chair. He's Tampton. We'll leave that out aside uh, for this discussion, though. Manny uh, does a great job. Founding president, Police Benevolent Association, talking New York State, and nice enough uh, to give us a couple of minutes on a busy one for him on a Thursday morning. And we say a very good hello. Welcome back. Hope everything is well with you, my friend. All is well, Jay. Welcome. Great to have you. Lots happening in and around Manny, and you're the perfect guy to get on today. And, of course, you know, we'll start with, you know, lawmakers in the state. Uh, you know, they're doing their thing. And on Monday, uh, they passed a, uh, a series of situations and bills and whatnot, talking 50A. Uh, you know, as far as personal information, repealing uh, something that's been around for about 50 years. Uh, give me give me your take on things as far as where we are at uh, in this country. What has propelled change? Uh, is it more of a knee-jerk type reaction at this point in time? What have you thought about over the last couple of weeks? You can go back to May 25th in Minneapolis uh, to George Floyd there and take us up to where we are at today as far as discussion. Well, let's first start with the tragic death of Mr. Floyd. There is no, no law enforcement person, anybody in the police profession and police community that condones the conduct that was occurred that, you know, that occurred there that led to Mr. Floyd's death. Um, that's outside of the scope of any, normalized training, even the most minimal of, you know, even the most minimal of training. Um, so that's the, that, you know, that, that in of itself and, and my, my condolences to his family and, and sympathies to those that are, that have been, uh, you know, so horrifically impacted. That said, um, there is, I, I don't know if it's anything short of, of, at least in my opinion, widespread hysteria that's being perpetuated. Um, I'm going to point the finger at the press. I remember many, many years ago in the 1980s in the police academy, walking into class and seeing on the blackboard, the press will never let the truth stand in the way of a good story. Um, and those words are still today. Uh, the facts, or, or the sentiment that's being perpetuated, and and I don't, and, and I truly understand. I never discount anybody's beliefs because their life experiences are theirs. But for as many bad experiences that someone may have, there are that many more good experiences, and that's vetted out in the facts and statistical data that's out there. There's Roughly 375 million plus, 385 million police to citizen contacts yearly. Of all those police to citizen contacts in the United States, there's roughly 11 million arrests. Of those 11 million arrests, around 50, 60,000 of them, uh, force has to be used. Out of 375 million contacts, 50, 60,000 incidents where force actually had to be used to effect an arrest. So the, the facts are what they are, you know, and the statistical data is what it is. 
show the widespread uh, 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 hysteria that's being perpetuated out there of police violence and, uh, you know, wholesale, uh, wholesale, whole scale uh, uh, police corruption and, and all these things that are being said out there is ludicrous at best. And I think we really need to focus on the messengers and what's their intent. Like I said, there is a segment of there there, there is a segment of society clearly, and they they are with just cause and have just beliefs, and we don't discount that. And that truly is where we need to focus and work on. But we have people that are politically a political activists that are political opportunists. We have people that believe in the pursuit of a particular ideology that, that, that they're uh, pushing on society. Criminality and violence is an acceptable means. That's the problem. That's Ultimately the problem. In the end, that's the problem. Yeah. Manny, you know, we've said, we've said all along, you know, it's media driven. Uh, it's party driven. Unfortunately, that's what creates these divides. And I said it yesterday, you know, this was a, a prime uh, place for state lawmakers uh, to, you know, kind of uh, kind of do a blindside here, you know, to get something passed quickly, uh, polarizing a situation. Now, listen, uh, there is a pattern here and we need to fix it. You know, and it comes down to the culture. You know, you look at a police department, Manny, in Minnesota, in Minneapolis there, they've had several several incidents over the past couple of decades and they still haven't fixed their problem here so you know the whole defunding the police and everything else you know taking away dollars and putting it in other places you know that might be a way to go in some areas but in essence you know to me it comes down to culture you know it comes down to a guy like derek chauvin uh, a police officer from minneapolis with 17 misconduct complaints uh, you know, that to me, you know, signifies that something's wrong and something was never corrected and it needs to be corrected. But it's about the culture. Somebody like yourself has been involved with this your whole life. Can't you put your finger on it in that side, in that type of situation, in that type of way, I should say? Well, clearly. And, and, and we have to we have to understand there's no uniform standard throughout the, 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 the nation for types of training, levels of training, and that's by design because constitutionally in our American culture, we fear a national uniform police service. That's something that we, we believe as a nation, as our culture, that local policing should be just that local and it should be done on the local level every state has its own its own set of guidelines and standards and every department and and local municipality has its own operating procedures so there's a rough framework in each state in which most departments operate some states are much more advanced than other states you know it's so trying to compare policing in new york and and in a state a thousand miles away that we know little about their hiring standards, we know little about 
their training standards. We know little about their policies. What we do know is that in Minneapolis, one party rule has one party has ruled one political party has ruled that city since I think the 1930s or the 1920s. So there. The, the the office holders now have nobody to blame other than their own people. They you know they they whatever policies are in place. If this officer, if uh, 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 Shelvin, if he was allowed to be on the job 19 years with as many almost as many disciplinaries as he has years, and not knowing what the nature of the disciplinaries are because they may be minor, they may be major, but. That's indicative of a problem, but but what we have to remember is that indicative of a problem of the police officers, or is it really an indicative? Is it indicative of a problem of the management? Is it indicative of the policies of the elected leaders? That's really what this is. That's really what this is about. It's failed administrations and failed police management. You know the workers operate within the confines and the parameters in which that's established for them to operate within. It's up to management and it's up to administrators, you know, policymakers to establish those parameters and then the administrators and managers to make sure everybody operates within those parameters. So if there wants to be an indictment, I would suggest the city council in Minneapolis go look in a mirror because if there's a systematic problem in that city, they should start with themselves first instead of pointing the finger at society at large and everybody else because they failed their community. And I'll go one further. Bill de Blasio has failed New York City and he's failed everybody in the city, not only the police officers, but every citizen in that city. His failed policy led to the chaos that's going on now, his mismanagement, his failure to establish and enact policies in which society can function freely and safely. And that is a problem that's squarely on Bill de Blasio's lap. He's a failed leader and a, uh, 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 I'm trying, I'm trying not to use too strong words. He's a failed leader and, uh, Sucky mayor for a lack of uh, well, let me uh, let's stronger say this. language. Yeah, listen, he's a failed leader and put down 10 exclamation points. I mean, that's really what it is. But you know something? You know you blame for that? You blame the people who voted him in. You know that not once, but twice, Manny. Twice. Okay? So, you know, listen. The police department and Bill de Blasio are like oil and water. You know, and I'll say this, and I said it before. If you had a guy like Rudy Giuliani there at the helm, this wouldn't have happened. This would not have happened two weeks ago. All the looting and mayhem and everything else would not have happened. 100% sure it would have happened. But that's the difference because the Blasio and the cops have always been at odds. This is a guy, by the way, who lets people out of jail on his directive. You know, the bail reform and everything else, you know, I mean, it's in place. He supports it. You know, he thinks by giving somebody a couple of Mets tickets to return to a court setting is, is going to be appropriate. You know, this guy is out of his mind. Everything he has done has been failed as far as policy. And I'm talking pre-K and I'm, I'm talking everything here. 
Listen, he's a disaster as a mayor. I said it all along. This is about leadership. De Blasio is no leader. And as far as I'm concerned, although, you know, he made amends, he apologized. Governor Cuomo did the wrong thing. He was on my show last week, and I brought it up. He apologized to Commissioner Shea for the comments he made about the police department not doing their jobs at the height of the looting. Uh, so, in essence, it is about leadership. It's like a coach who loses his voice for his team, and that's why changes have to be made. The Blasio should have been tossed out, but that's a whole other story. But you're right. I agree with you. It's about the top. It's about administratively. It's about leadership. It's about command. It's about respect. There's none of that happening within the confines of New York City right there. And and we and and we have some you know and and your listeners and and I would tell everyone here the New York City Police Department and police departments throughout New York State right here to my local little town in East Hampton to our state police officers our county police officers all our towns and villages we have some of the best trained best prepared police officers in the nation right here in New York. There are none finer than police officers in New York State. We are at, 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 at on every level. Uh, our police officers here in our state, at every level, are at the uh, top of the top. Uh, uh, you know, we are the apex of of of, of you know the pyramid and, and and police officers and training and skill and professionalism and restraint and understanding and compassion and being able to 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 to, to uh, uh, work with people in our community. You know, when we talk about protesters, we're not there to prevent people from protesting. Our police officers are not there. We're there to ensure that the protesters can protest. We want them to protest. We believe in the exercise of those rights. The problem is we have other people that are using other organizations, people, and ideologies that use those, 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 uh, the, the ability of people to protest to perpetuate criminal activity, to perpetuate violence on others, to further an ide- you know, to either further an ide- ideology or are just plain old criminals. At the end of the day, there are bad people. And it's not a lot in totality, but in a country of 330 million people, you know what? We got a lot of really, really super fantastic people in this nation. But we do have criminals. We do have bad people. And the failure, the failure of government to recognize that and the failure of government, when government starts siding with the criminals instead of siding with the victims, we're going down the wrong we're going down the wrong path. We can't we you know we need to focus on the victims because who are the victims? Who are the people perpetuating the crimes against those victims? It's not the police. It's criminals within our society, and that's what we need to focus on. We need to focus on on education. We need to focus on uh, economic development. We need to focus on all the things in life that help uplift the disenfranchised and the economically disadvantaged into a better place in society so that we can help root out 
the crime that occurs. You know, I always say this when we talk about, you know, you know, and a lot of people have talked about white people, black people. Uh, the, you know, at the end of the day, you know, there's three shades of people. Green, a little green, and not so green. And the reality is, if you're green and very, very green, odds are in the neighborhood you live in, there's not a lot of crime. If you're really, really not so green at all, the odds are you're in a neighborhood that's pretty impoverished and there's a lot of crime. Jobs, economy, education. Those are the things that help uplift people. Not crazy bail reform that lets criminals perpetuate crime upon innocent victims and then turn around and then turn right around and then in 24 hours or, or at, within hours are right back in the street doing it again. That's not helping anybody. Nope. Not helping along anybody. with us, founding president, Benevolent Association uh, of uh, New York State, uh, talking about law enforcement in general. Manny, so, you know, we get to Monday and, uh, you know, and not even the, you know, the, the most appalling thing of what happened Monday up in Albany was not even a discussion. Uh, you know, the repeal of 50A, you know, the section of the New York State Civil Rights Law that deems the personal records of police officers, firefighters, correction officers, confidential, and uh, not subject to inspection review without the officer's permission or a court order. But, you know, it was appalling. It was absolutely appalling because, you know, this is why we are in where we're in. Uh, we are in a mess here, media-wise, politically-wise. Uh, it's us versus them. I'm going to get one over on you. And this, to me, is what happened uh, Monday in Albany and the repeal of 58. You know, when I see the vote the way it, it went down, uh, you know, I saw a, the Senate approving the repeal. What was it, 40 to 22, and even more so in the Assembly. I was more, more seats, 101 to 43. Uh, that tells me that they were just ready to pounce uh, on a situation here, ready to pounce. Because over the last five years, you know as well as I do, criminal justice activists along with inmate activists, have been exploiting uh, these high-profile deaths of civilians in police custody all in the attempt uh, to demonize officers, many, and correction officers, and seemingly, as we say all along, for political gain. When is it going to end? But that's what happened Monday in Albany. Well, I mean, a couple things there. The first thing is we need to really recognize Nationwide, there are roughly a thousand deaths a year due to police involvement, whether it's shooting, uh, uh, and that's the majority. That is the majority. Police, unfortunately, end up shooting someone that's involved in a violent crime. Um, and other unfortunate, uh, you know, other incidents that, you know, such as Mr. Floyd. Um, that that so there is a percentage that should not have there is a, a, of that thousand there is a percentage that should not have occurred clearly we understand that and we have a legal process to do that and that's called a grand jury and we have district attorneys who are answerable to the local electorate good bad or 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 or, or, or indifferent. The district attorney, at the end of the day, every four years, 
runs for election, and he's answerable to the local community. So he needs to prove his case if he goes into court. And if the evidence isn't there, there isn't a case. And the grand jury won't file charges. Now, we always have to remember about a grand jury. And there's two parts to a grand jury. The first is, or two sayings that apply to a grand jury. It's easy for the grand jury to find cause. In other words, we say you can indict a ham sandwich in a grand jury. It's difficult to find innocence from a grand jury. So if a grand jury really, truly, they're unable to bring criminal charges against someone, then there is absolutely no evidence there. So the fact that the grand jury finds an indictment against someone in of itself just means there's something there, but it needs to be vetted out. If they can't find, you know, can't come up with an indictment, that means they're truly, there's not even something there. There's nothing there. On the 50A discussion, and where do we, this goes into the 50A. The 50A of the New York State Civil Rights Law, and that's what a lot of people, because they all talk about 50A, but they don't know 50A what? 50A BC, 50A from here to Tuesday. It's civil rights law, New York State Civil Rights Law, which was enacted in the 1970s, which was championed by a gentleman at the New York City Transit Police Benevolent Association from the Transit Police back in the day, and he was the legislative chairman of the Metropolitan Police Conference, uh, a gentleman by the name of Floyd Holloway, who happened to be a black police officer. And he championed the, the legislation. And the reason why he championed this legislation and got this law enacted is because the press and uh, uh, opportunistic defense attorneys were exploiting police officers' personnel files. So 50A was enacted to set up a process for which a police file could be reviewed. So when when you hear, and, and the press is, says this all the time, I think I heard this 35 times on Monday, secret police files. There's no secret police files. There never were secret police files. There was a legal process. A motion was filed. A judge would review the motions, both for and against. He would then take the police officer's personnel file. The judge himself would review the file and issue a decision and release whatever documents that were pertaining to the motions that were, that were requested for, to the defense attorney. So it's not secret, but what's not relevant, what's not relevant, just like it's not relevant, if someone got arrested and then the charges were dropped, that's not relevant in a criminal proceeding. Well, why would a false accusation against the police officer that was investigated and found as unfounded, determined to be unfounded, why is that now relative? What's the difference? I failed to see the two. So we're now, with the repeal of 50A and with the enactment of, of two other laws that went in there that the legislature did over the past couple of days, we now made unfounded accusations relevant in a police officer's personnel file that is now open 
through a freedom of information request. This is not right. Yeah. This is not right. We're, we're, it's not right. We're holding. We're now holding police officers to a far, far higher standard than we're actually even holding the defendants of crimes to. Good question, Manny Vallon. With Manny, only got a couple of minutes. Uh, you know, listen, good points. Uh, in, in about two minutes or so, I mean, listen. The body cam situation, uh, if you want to add on to that, uh, to me, I don't probably want to ban the chokeholds uh, and everything else. Uh, you want to create a separate type of situation for the Chauvins out there with the 17 complaints. You know, you got to have a record-keeping department. You, you have to put uh, situations in place to deal with the likes of Chauvins uh, around the nation. There are plenty of them, but they, you know, they let, let's not forget for, for every one Derek Chauvin, there's 100 good cops out there. So, in essence, you know, you have to deal with those things separately. But what else in your mind would help improve departments in and around the country? We talk about leadership. We talk about culture. We know that. From the technical side of things, what would you be in favor of? I only got a couple of minutes with you. Go ahead. Well, a lot of the, the, the legislation that would pass is our or some of the other bills that were passed, are things we do already anyway. Things we do already anything. Um, I think the first, first part of it is the legislature should have been an honest broker with us, and as we were stakeholders, they should have brought us into the discussion, and they did not. They used the coronavirus and the lack of the ability of the police uh, community, the, uh, the police unions to be in Albany, to uh, railroad, literally in the cover of darkness, like a thief in the night, to railroad a lot of these legislation through that they would never do under other circumstances. So the legislature really needs to be an honest broker. The press needs to tell the truth and be honest. They actually need to be honest. They need to go return to the days of old when they actually reported facts as opposed to opinions. That's that's the uh, second part that, that needs to go on. And the third part is people need to get involved in their local elections. They need to be energized, and they need to vote for candidates that actually represent their values instead of turning around and, and not voting at all and throwing their hands up in the air and not paying, you know, and not paying attention to what's going on. Because what goes on on a national level is very different than what goes on on a local level, especially in your local communities. Um, and then I would say, uh, lastly, um, people need to be more informed. There's, there's, uh, like I said, we. I'll use the 50A thing. If, if I heard uh, uh, 35, 50 times, secret files, secret files, secret files, secret files. Well, there are no secret files. People don't know what they're talking about. You know, we hear the taglines. We need meaningful reform. We need strategic change in our police departments. Like, what meaningful reforms? Can anybody clearly articulate what exactly they're talking about? They have no idea even what they're talking about. And we have to stop glorifying criminality and violence as being an acceptable means of expression. It is not. It is crime. People that perpetuate those violence and are looting and rioting are criminals. That's not the freedom. It's not an acceptable means of expression. So 
we need we somewhere along the line here we've had a cultural shift and we need to make some changes back to 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 where we were you know prior uh to a, what has become very very acceptable makes sense political landscape has to change i don't know if i have a lot of confidence in that with that with leadership who knows Great discussion. More of it to come with you down the road. I look forward to it. Manny Villar, founding president, Benevolent Association, New York State. Let's not forget the East Hampton GOP chair. We'll talk politics next go-around, sir. Always great to have you. You stay well now. Thank you, Jay. It's always a pleasure being on your show. And everybody, remember, go out and vote. Thank you.